All right, folks, we back. Super duty, tough work. What up? What up? What up? Prentnificence, illogic, the most infamous podcast on planet Earth. Back in your face, mm-hmm. doing a damn thing. You know, shout out to all of our supporters. Yeah, worldwide. Um, I've been hearing a lot of compliments about the organization that we've been doing on the YouTube page Mm -hmm. with the playlists and such. Mm -hmm. See, the podcast is bullet points and such. Right. The YouTube is playlists and such. Facts. You get laced up. Playlists and such. By that, I mean, for those who are sitting at home, we have playlists that are organized on our YouTube channel by topic. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you hear a topic while you listen to the podcast version, there's no way to do this. Right. But on YouTube, we can organize all the topics into playlists that contain only that topic. So, for example, when we did our writing episodes a couple months ago, a couple months ago, we did four weeks about writing. If you are writing something and you need to power up on writing, hit the YouTube page. Mm hmm. There's a playlist for that. Get up on a YouTube page. Marketing and promotion. Somebody asked me, the print. do y'all have one of these playlists for marketing promotion? I said, matter of fact, we do, bro. Let me lace you real quick. <laughs> playlists and such. Had to lace him up. Hit him with that link. You know, everything that we've talked about on this podcast, if we've, if we've touched on that theme more than once, I think right now we stand at about seven to eight different playlists on there. Mm-hmm. Music production. We got a playlist for that. Mm-hmm. Multiple episodes. You know, so go to YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube page, and uh, support your boys, man. Support us, you know. Subscribe to the channel. We need more followers. Shit. Yeah. We only got, we still ain't cracked 2,000 followers on YouTube yet. Yeah, they sleeping, man. Cats is sleeping. We're like 18. We looking right up as like 1,800. Come on, man. Mm hmm. Help your boys crack 2,000. We need 200 people from this side, the audio side, to go over to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the YouTube side already, thank you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? So this week, this week, we're going to talk about something that, uh, you know, what we wanted to do this a couple weeks ago, but, uh, you know, timing and all kind of other things happened. So this week, we're going to talk about Bismarcky. Yeah. You know, we haven't done a lot of uh, episodes about hip hop or, or, or specific artists, you know, in a minute. And so this week we want to talk about the creative genius of Biz Markey, because as we know, Biz passed away last month and uh, hip hop legend, to say the least. Yeah. Credible artist and entertainer and uh, just a guy who I don't think people really understood how just like creative this dude was and uh, how that helped him become more successful in his career. And this episode, I want to talk about like some of the things that, that, that worked for him that can work for you Mm -hmm. that you may already have kind of going for yourself, but you may not even thought about them. Yeah. And so if you're an artist at home and you think, man, the things are not working or how can I improve this? How can I channel what I'm good at? How do I translate who I am into 
something that works for me. This episode, I hope, will help you because Biz Markey very much was a guy who took his God given gifts and talents and uniqueness and and just really maximized it. You know, wasn't the best at anything. Right. But when when but he was unmistakably himself. One of a kind, one of one in the music industry. And, you know, we're going to talk about the creative genius of, of Bismarcky and we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We got you stuck off the realness, the most infamous, you heard of us, official podcast murderers, the show comes equipped with few points to share, grown man ideas for all those who care and want to grow, so go ahead and download, every single week with a brand new episode, you're not alone in this world cousin, so we share information and honest discussion, and keep repping the culture, like we supposed to, they spread gossip but they never come close to, I can hear it inside their tone, they talk Talk about the industry but never left their home you get laced up with bullet points and such plus empowering topics that they never would touch you can put your whole network against the team but super duty tough works the mvp most valuable podcast on mp3 priceless info but all of it's free huh. so take these words home and think them through super duty tough work is coming at you now listening to Super Duty Tough Work with your host, Blueprint, raw and uncut, adult conversations, no shucking, no jiving, and no bullshit. <sighs> All right, folks, we back, we back. The creative genius of Biz Marquee, you know, shout out to all the hip-hop heads worldwide you know what i'm saying shout out to you know uh you know all the pioneers rest mm -hmm. in peace to biz Marquee, man one of my favorite rappers you know i said this on i did the uh the artist advice hour and somebody asked me about like the funny songs in my catalog and at that time i was like look man those songs don't exist without biz Marquee. Mm -hmm. you know because biz Marquee was one of my favorite uh rappers growing up and so uh, he had a big influence on me, especially like, you know, like the, the comedic stuff, you know, we'll get into that this episode. But the first the first, you know, trait that we want to talk about, you know, uh, with Biz Markie is a record collector. Yeah, he was a, he was known as like a top tier record collector throughout the hip hop industry. And this is something that a lot of people don't understand but we'll get into it is not producers know and you know this now as a producer when you start getting deep into the crates mm -hmm. it opens up your your knowledge of music right you start hearing records that you never would have heard otherwise and never would have wanted to hear you wouldn't even you wouldn't even have went to, you know, the, to the to the world section in the record store. <laughs> right. You'd have walked <laughs> you know right past it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Especially like if you grew up on soul or something like yep. that, you wouldn't you would walk right past the rock section. Yep. The, the world section, the dance, mm. disco. Yep. You would ignore yep. all of those records. But Biz was like an avid collector. Like there's a Biz quote. He says, I collect a lot of things and some things I like to be close to me. He had a lot of like his record collection. I've heard stories about him with the, you know, the the was it the Beanie Babies or something, mm -hmm. some weird little toy. He collected yeah. toys. He collected obviously vinyl. I talked to Mr. Dibs once. Dibs was telling me stories about 
Biz Marky having because him and Biz were friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a a, a a a friendship, and Biz, I guess, had like a whole house of records. He had two cribs at one point. One just was all records, mm-hmm. all records, man. So it it not only makes you a fan of the music that you're you're collecting, but it also widens your palette. And it, if you are an artist then it translates into the type of music you make because now right. you're drawing from a whole lot of different inspirations, you know? And when you look at Biz Markie's music that he created, what I find to be wild is that this dude was one of the dopest, known as one of the, the most prolific record collectors, but he wasn't known as a producer. Right. And in that era of hip hop, you know, Molly Maul produced all his records, but in that era of hip hop, the production was always kind of hazy, right? Like the definition of what a producer is, is different now. Oh, very different. There's all kinds of stories about guys not producing something, but bringing the records, mm-hmm. being involved in the process. The, in, the actual engineers mm-hmm. were the only ones who knew how to use a lot of that equipment. Cause it wasn't like these guys had their own studios for the most part. So a lot of these guys would go to bigger studios and the bigger studios had a guy sitting there who knew how to work the sampler. So they would bring their records and their, their, the, th- the shit that they wanted to sample. And then the engineer would help them hook it up. Right. But a lot of guys during the era did not necessarily get their props as producers. And I think biz is probably one of those guys mm-hmm. because there's no way you can have the record collection that he had and not be bringing some of those records to the table for your albums. Yeah. And he didn't even get recognized as a DJ till later in life. True. Like he didn't start. Yeah. He didn't start spinning until after his music career was pretty much, you know, coming to an end. Cause I think he put his last record out in 2003. Yeah. I want to say. Um, and then, but then he started getting known, you know, and getting booked as a DJ. Yeah really heavy yeah Um, and he was a dope dj too yeah yeah and and you know and that and that a lot of that you know he was playing 45 sets Mm -hmm. and when you look at that you can't play no 45 sets if you don't know a lot about records oh yeah because that's one song bro (laughs) (laughs) like that's one joint so you gotta know the bpm you gotta know you know you gotta know your collection and they're not cheap Nah, nah, not good ones. No, yeah, spinning 45s is not a cheap endeavor for DJs. And you typically, the guys you see who play all 45 sets are people who are avid record collectors. Right. Anybody can DJ, but guys who play 45 sets are typically avid collectors. Yeah. You know, so what you see, and I think that had a profound impact on the kind of music Biz made and what he sampled. You One thing you notice from Biz is that he wasn't a guy who sampled a lot of records that other people were sampling. Right. You know, you had guys who were all sampling Nautilus, Funky Drummer. You know what I mean? Like all the staples of that era, there were a lot of samples that were getting passed around and common breaks, but you never really heard that on Biz Markie's records. Mm-mm. You know, and you look at later in his career when, when he started making the songs where he would kind of it would be somebody singing one thing and he would kind of flip it and bounce it to his own thing. Mm-hmm. None of those are records that we would have found out about if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't have known about the song, uh, the, the, you got what I need song. If it wasn't for Biz Markie. Right. 
singing it and flipping it, you know. Um, and so, you know, I don't know if you remember, but Cryptic made a post on his Instagram when Biz died uh, where he was uh, playing the original uh, sample that Biz re-sang for one of his songs. It was like a local electronic shop. Do you remember that? Nah, nah. Oh, yeah, you got to check it out. It's on Cryptic's Instagram. He's, it's like this 80s ad for this electronic store called Nobody Beats the Wiz. Oh, crazy. And the store is called The Wiz. It was a chain of electronic stores in an upstate New York area. And there's just the record was like, Nobody Beats the Wiz. Nobody Beats the Wiz. Nobody Beats the Wiz. Nobody Beats the Wiz. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, right? And I wouldn't have known it if Cryptic didn't post it, you know, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. And I was like, holy shit, I never knew that's what that was. I always wondered, like, well, how'd he come up with this shit, you know? And uh, they basically took this local commercial, flipped it into this Nobody Beats the Biz shit. And it's so dope. But he was just a creative sampler, man. Yeah. Creative. And you think, and even if you're looking at taking uh, what somebody did in a hook and flipping it into but you say he's just a friend and all the songs he had that were kind of like that. No one was doing it before him. Oh, no. Nobody was doing because <laughs> everything that he did, like like you said in the beginning, like he was un, undoubtedly himself. Yeah. And there was nobody that sounded like Biz, nobody that did the type of music that Biz did. And, you know, it, it just it just shined through, you know, in all his music. Yeah, man. And then there's something else I want to talk about here, too, because like, you know, one of the things that we have to also look at when we evaluate business career is like they came along when sampling laws were not even a thing. Right. Sampling was a brand new technology, you know, and so what they were doing, it hadn't fully been regulated yet. You know, mm. they were walking some fine lines and Biz Markey in addition to being known as one of the most, you know, uh, avid record collectors and collectors in hip hop is also known as the guy who changed, who's responsible for sampling laws being installed in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Being created, special laws were created because of what they were doing. And um, there's a, there's a excerpt I'm going to read here from an NPR article where it's talking about like uh, this thing. And it says, um, it's about Biz Markie, and it says, when sampling technology and practices became hip hop's musical blueprint in the late 80s, the business and legal rules were thoroughly gray area, were a thoroughly gray area. Since the techniques created digital copies of source material, copyright holders could argue that unauthorized sampling violated their intellectual property. Those doing the sampling could argue they were repurposing fragments of recorded music to create something entirely new. Up until 1991, disputes around those arguments carried more weight uh, about whose argument carried more weight tended to be settled out of court. This is where Biz comes back in. In 1991, O'Sullivan sued Markey over the alone again sample. This case came hot on the heels of a one point seven million dollar settlement between the members of the 60s rock group, the Turtles and the rap group De La Soul all stemming from a few seconds of a turtle song sampled by Dela. With a clear, with the O'Sullivan Markey case, one complication was that Markey and his label DJ and his label did initially try to clear the sample through O'Sullivan, 
But when the singer-songwriter declined to do so, the label released the song anyway. Mm. This set up the eventual legal showdown, which, unlike the previous cases, didn't get settled out of court, but instead ended up being decided by Judge Kevin Duffy in a far-reaching decision for future sampling practices. Duffy found Biz Markie guilty of infringing on O'Sullivan's copyright, ordered the rapper to pay twenty-five, I'm sorry, $250,000 in damages, barred Markie's label, Warner Brothers, from continuing to sell either single or album, and most astoundingly referred to the matter, referred the matter to criminal court mm. on the grounds that Markey was liable for theft. The rapper was never charged. Duffy's decision permanently altered the landscape of sampling, not so much curtailing it. Sampling is still popular after all, but changing the creative and business practices around it. Wow. Deep, right? Wow. It's crazy. I didn't I didn't know that it was biz. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was the the catalyst for the sample laws. I didn't know that. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, it was biz. And, you know, one of the complications of this is like if you go to Spotify right now and look for biz's catalog, a lot of it's not on streaming sites. Yeah, none of the old stuff. Yeah, same thing for De La Soul. Yep. Isn't it wild that the two groups who were at the Pioneer, you know what I'm saying, for all of the sample clearance stuff, their catalogs have been kind of wiped out of the digital space to where you can't even listen to their music anymore? Yeah. It's kind of fucked up. You know, like you got to have physical copies. There, there's best of Bismarcky songs out there. Um, and his biggest hits have been allowed to be up there. Same for Daylight, but a lot of their old catalog due to this stuff, which is it sucks that they couldn't work out nothing 20, 30 years later mm-hmm. for people to just enjoy the songs and just work out something equitable, you know? Yeah, it sucks. But yeah, creative sampling. Bismarcky was at the forefront of that. And because he was, you know, his catalog has has some stuff's there, some stuff's not. But um, that's one of the things that actually made him successful. So that's number one. Um, okay, let's move on to number two. Number two thing, uh, trait to make Bismarcky a creative genius is beatboxing. Yeah, he was one of the illest. Yeah, one of the like back in the day and people don't really know it now because back in the day it wasn't that many beatboxers. Right. You had like good ones anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had Dougie Fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh you had Buff from the yeah. Fat Boys. You had um uh uh Jockbox from Skinny Boys. There was some others. But overall, gosh, who's the guy from Mantronics? Was somebody in Mantronics? But yeah, there was maybe about five to six beatboxers. Yeah, that were known. Known by their names. Yeah. But there were only a couple who beatboxed and rhymed. Yeah. Him and Dougie Fresh. And I think that that created a situation where Biz was able to like, um, he was able to use that to kind of brand himself differently than most of his peers could, right? So mm-hmm. like you had Biz, excuse me for a second, wait my nose, like, Biz was able to basically become, you know, more popular than any of his other beatboxing peers. Mm-hmm. Because not only could he beatbox, he could he was recording with the beatbox. He was beatboxing for other people. He was he could use it on stage and employ it as a tool to entertain. Um, and then it made people more curious about him because he rapped and had actual songs. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. And so, uh, you know, there was there was a lot of. Uh, 
of, of unique branding he was allowed to do simply because he could he could say, yeah, yeah, I rap, but I beatbox too. Mm -hmm. And I think that really went a long way to making him more unique in that era. Yeah, and the ill thing about the beatbox, like we experienced this having Prism, you know, as our DJ. Yes. And, you know, even being out on tour and seeing what Carnage is doing now. You know yep. what I'm saying? Like just seeing what that tool, having that tool in your toolbox allows you to do, especially with a live show. Like the fact that he was doing that in the 80s, yep. you know, and had that ability. And same with Dougie Fresh, like having that ability in the 80s, it changes the whole game for you because you don't necessarily need a sound system. You know what I'm saying? To perform. Nope. You are the beat. You know what yep. I mean? And it just, it completely changed the way people looked at you and what the idea of a hip hop performance was back then. Yeah. And you know, now there's, there's like an underground circuit of beatboxers, right? Like guys mm -hmm. we know who, who still carry the torch and do it. You know, the Rozelles probably yeah. played a big part in bringing it back to the forefront with the roots. Mm -hmm. But you know, back in, in the early eighties, mid eighties, you know, beatboxers were seen as just an important element, just like the DJ. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like groups had beatboxers in them. You know yep. what I mean? And um, that kind of faded for a while because, you know, ain't no real money in beatboxing like rapping. You know, as they say, like, <laughs> right. you know, the DJ used to be the most popular element. But then as soon as the rapping became popular, every other element kind of got pushed to the back, you know. Mm -hmm. So same thing with beatboxing. But biz was known, you know, make the music with your mouth biz. Yep. That one of his most popular songs had a lot, you know what I'm saying, doesn't happen if he isn't just as talented on the beatbox as he is with the rhyming. Right. You know, and so uh, what, what I would like to stress to people at home listening as artists is like, you may have something like that in your toolbox that you do. That's unique. Maybe it's some kind of instrument you learn to play as a child. Maybe it's some weird shit like the fucking harmonica. I don't fucking know. The gazoo. Mm -hmm beatboxing you know but uh doing impressions a lot of times when we get older we kind of let those things slide you know right or we become artists we think oh i gotta just do this i gotta just rap yeah i can't show none of my other talents or i ain't keeping it real you know the haunted by the ghost of keeping it real you know what i'm saying but the 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 what you should be doing is thinking how how do i use all of my talents to make me stand out more Yep. To truly tell the story of who I am. And I think Biz did a great job at that. Yeah. That that stuff makes you makes you uniquely you. <laughs> you know, the people that, you know, I mean, honestly, just like what you do, like playing a fucking trombone on stage. Like <laughs> you, you what rapper do you know <laughs> other than Blueprint? Yeah. That has ever brought a fucking trombone out on stage. Like that's some that's some that's some <laughs> uniquely blueprint shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that a lot of a lot of cats played instruments in elementary school and middle school and high school and you know, might still play and might still, you know, but don't utilize those things. And it's true. They should because it makes them uniquely, you know, themselves. And um yeah, it's a it's a it's a cool thing to have in your toolbox. Something special. Everybody got something special. Yeah, yeah. Just embrace it, you know, and don't get discouraged about it if you ain't the best. You gotta be the best, you know. Was Bismarcky the best beatboxer? Not necessarily, mm. but his beatboxing skills in a, in a in a landscape of rappers who didn't beatbox at all made him super unique. Yeah, you know, he was an entertainer. So that's number two. All right. 
number you know what let's take a break real quick and then we'll be yeah. right back i've been talking about it a while but it's finally here my new book the social media cheat code if you're an artist creative or entrepreneur this book is for you i've been a full-time artist for almost 20 years and the majority of that time has been spent online building my following i've learned a lot of lessons and all of those lessons are in this book what days and times are best to post what elements make a post work or fail how to organically get more engagement how to use current events to grow your following how to automate your posts how to repurpose your content how to sell more products and much much more no complicated jargon no fluff just common sense techniques that you can use and apply immediately if you're tired of guessing and ready to step up your social media game head on over to waitlist.net right now and order your signed copy today peace all right folks super duty tough work we back We're talking about the creative genius of biz Marquee. you know to all our old school hip-hop fans and build it to everybody who's a fan of hip-hop in general just an artist trying to be the best you can be i hope y'all are getting something out of this um the next trait we want to talk about with biz is big daddy Kane. Mm. one thing that really helped big biz was that he put on big daddy Kane. and before i even get into this or we talk about it i'm gonna play this this is a, a clip from big daddy Kane's instagram some of you may have heard it some of you may not have i'm just gonna play it here i'm 15 years old i've tried everything possible to establish a record deal. Hold on, we'll keep going. And nothing worked. Feeling like I'm out of options. And then one day, I go on the Albee Square Mall and ask a stranger for a battle. And after the battle, he told me I was dope. I said that I need to get down with him. He'd be doing parties for Mike and Dave up in the Bronx, Harlem, Long Island. And if I get down with him, he promised me he gonna get me a record deal and we gonna make it. And that brother kept his word. He took me on the road with him. Had me write half his, his first album. And he got me a record deal. So, more than a friend. My lifeline, you feel me? Emma's a, I'm gonna miss you. And I'll always love you. Rest well. Yeah, man. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It's Big Daddy Kane uh, from his Instagram the day that Bismarcky passed. And uh wanted to play that because some people, we look at this music industry like we got to put ourselves on. We got to always do everything ourselves. Mm -hmm. I got to get signed. I got to figure this whole thing out by myself. And you just listen to that story. Mm -hmm. it kind of shows you that that wasn't necessarily how biz looked at it right biz battle Kane, uh probably didn't win the battle yeah 
knowing how nasty Kane is at that. Right. And Ben said, you know what, man? Roll with me, man. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. Let's work together. Mm-hmm. You can, you can, I, I'm going to get a sign and then you can write half of my debut album. Yep. Get you some writing credits. Writing get your name credits. Out there. Yep. Then I'm going to take you on tour with me. Yep. And he did everything he said he was going to do and put Kane on. And we don't have no Big Daddy Kane without Biz. And then Kane did the same for Jay-Z. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like Hello. He, he, he kept it going. Hello. He did the same for Jay-Z and Jazzo. You know what I mean? Like, because that's what he was taught. You know? That's, yep. that's dope. That's super dope. Yeah, man. And sometimes we underestimate the importance of that, man. Like, sometimes... You don't have to do everything yourself, man. There are talented people who are around you who are capable of helping you execute your dreams, Mm -hmm. but they can't help you if you don't reach out to them or if you're too insecure to try to extend the, you know what I'm saying? To to admit that they can help you and that you both have a common goal. Let's do this together. Yeah. You know? And the thing about Biz is Biz wasn't, we know Biz wasn't the best rapper, wasn't the best performer, wasn't the best producer, wasn't the most articulate. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't no fucking poet mm-hmm. as we define, you know, the, the super articulate words crap. You, you know, it's like, nah, man. But Biz has some incredible foresight. Yes. And he thought bigger than a lot of creative people do to say fuck it this guy is dope why don't you come help me write this record we can write some this together you can get your shit up out come on we'll roll like that and uh i, I think a lot of us will be be very well served to kind of listen to that and, and say you know what am i doing mm-hmm. am i trying to lift do all the heavy lifting myself yeah are there people who want to help me that I'm not allowing to? Are there people I can work with to achieve my goal faster? If so, what's stopping me from reaching out and doing something for them? Yeah. Reaching out and inviting them into what I got going on, especially if I know they fuck with me. Right. Because you don't get testimonies like that from artists like Kane unless you move that way. Yeah. Yeah, and this is something I was um I just did an interview with Jay Rawls for um my five spot um thing and um we talked about legacy. And this is one of those things like I don't think artists really think about, you know, as far as how they will be remembered and what their legacy in music will be. And, you know, when you pass on things to you know, when you help people, when you pass on things to the next generation, when you pass on things to other artists, when you give other artists opportunities, that does nothing but, you know, solidify your legacy in, in, the, in the music business, in your city, in your state, just in their lives in general. Like it, 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 it creates a legacy and something that, you know, you are remembered for. Yeah. Like the fact that we would have no Big Daddy Kane, you know, as we know him without Bismarcky, that that alone is enough yeah to, <laughs> you know what i'm saying to solidify you know bismarcky's legacy in this game the fact that he gave us big daddy kane yep like 
you know, how many rappers would not exist if there was no Big Daddy Kane? Yep. We'd have no Tretch. We'd no, have no, no, you know Jay-Z. what I'm saying? Like, no Jay-Z. It would, there'd be so many rappers that we would not have if Big Daddy Kane didn't exist. And that's, I mean, even Eminem, like, gives yep. props to Big Daddy Kane as, like, one of his favorite artists that he listened to and modeled his style after in the beginning. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's crazy. It's true, man. And, you know, to, and, and you know, just to reiterate, like, it's very easy for us as rappers to see other rappers technically as like a threat due to the competitive nature of this, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, he can rap better than me. Biz, instead of saying, yo, he can rap better than me, F him, Biz was like, yo, he can rap better than me. He's an asset. Right. He's an incredible writer. Mm-hmm. He's, I'm going to help him and in helping him, I'll help myself and then I'll have a stronger chance of success. Don't see him as a threat. It's, it's really fucking dope. And people don't talk about that part of Bismarcky enough. No, nah, not at all. You know, but yeah, that's that's number three. Kane. Number four trait behind the creative genius of Bismarcky is his sense of humor. Yeah, this is what he's most known for, I think. Yeah. Sense of humor. One thing you you have to give Biz, you listen to Bismarcky's albums. All of them have a, 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 multiple funny songs on them. Picking boogers, man. Come on. Oh. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> hey, Bob, what's for dinner? dinner. Go, Go up, up your nose and pick a winner. Pick a winner. <laughs> picking boogers. Yeah, he, uh, said, he said, I put boogers on the basketball and pass it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Biz is a wild dude, man. That whole oh. song was great. Yeah. Hey, yeah, mom, man. what's for dinner? <laughs> Go up your oh. nose and pick a winner. Picking boogers. Yeah, oh. man. <laughs> yeah, he, he just talks about, you know. But yeah, that whole song will just have you weak, man. But he had those songs on every album. Yes. And you could tell that's just who Biz was. Yeah. Like, he's probably a dude who everybody loved hanging out with because he was just so fucking fun and wow. Mm-hmm. Funny ass sense of humor. People like that are loved universally, man. Yeah. Some of us have senses of humor, but then we get on record and then, you know, we turn into just like Scarface and shit. <laughs> Right, right. I have this issue because, like, I came, you know, I came into the game pretty serious. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, like, I I have a good sense of humor. You, know you do. What I'm you do. I mean, <laughs> you and I bug out every week. People yeah, don't even yeah. know. People don't yeah, know like, how funny you are. Like, Yeah, I'm a pretty funny dude. You know what I'm saying? But, like, I, I just fit. It just doesn't translate to music. You know what I'm saying? Just because I don't, I feel like people take me too seriously. And sometimes I take myself too seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think I'm like we were just talking about before. Like I think I'm gonna try to, you know, just open up. What you know, what 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 can go wrong? You know, right? Yeah, that's the thing. But what you you just touched on something real important, which is like the whole like sometimes I take myself too seriously mm-hmm. and the art too seriously. Biz didn't do that. No, not at all. He did not take himself that seriously. Mm-hmm. He was not afraid to make fun of himself. Yeah. To talk about his failures. Like he didn't care. He could be funny on record because he wasn't worried about people like seeing him as less. He's like, this is who I am. Yeah. I'm fun. I got a great sense of humor in real life. 
his goal simply all he did was just embrace who the fuck he already was and he was successful because of that yeah like a lot of his stuff was just funny man like you know just like and he would just have funny lines in there like he had the song about like gosh i think it's on the second record and it's about stepping to this girl in the club mm. and he saw her across the club and he got this line where he says i told my dick don't worry we're fucking tonight you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that line man that line oh. is so amazing i told my dick don't worry <laughs> <laughs> yo that shit is so amazing amazing but like he wasn't afraid to just like say some funny ass shit just yeah. wasn't afraid of people thinking he was goofy or thinking less of him because he was having fun on a record yeah like one of his biggest like how many artists would sing off key and keep it you know what I'm saying like right. all of his songs it's spring again yeah. you know like, <laughs> like all of his shit yep. he knew he couldn't sing right he wasn't, you know what I'm saying? He wasn't trying to be Johnny Gill. Yeah. He wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like he knew he knew what he was doing. Come on. But it, it worked. In the Just a Friend video. This motherfucker oh, come on, got bro. on when he's at the piano with the white yeah. wig on, looking like <laughs> you know what I mean? Liberace and yeah. Shit. Like what has he got on? Yeah. Nobody couldn't play up to the Right. Real just he wasn't afraid, man. To be himself. Mm. That's a big lesson in that for artists, man. If you're at home, man, like, yo, your superpower is who you are. Yeah. A lot of artists spend so much time trying to be like somebody else, saying what they would say, trying to word this how they would word it, mm -hmm. you know, trying to make sure that you fit within these lines that other people have already defined. But some of these, these, these things don't play to your strengths. Your strength is being you. No one can be you like you can. We say it all the time on this show, like, no one can be you like you and once you figure that out your goal should just be to how can i express myself like only i can more frequently and more authentically until eventually you listen to your music you look at your art and it just sounds like it's just completely a reflection of of who you are and you're like it's like talking like we talked about like writing is like talking to us mm -hmm. we don't be thinking about it and that's because it's who we are. Right. You know, like I don't view writing as no more difficult than anything else I do because it's like, yo, I'm just really trying to be honest. And as long as I'm honest, then my writing will reflect that. Yeah. And uh, Biz, he wasn't the best. He would leave mistakes in his records. On purpose. Come yeah. on. Yeah. You would hear him say things wrong like she had nine, ten pants and a very big bra. <laughs> Uh, grammatically is that really right mm -hmm. left it in there mm -hmm. clearly he just liked it like yo it just sounds fly like that I'm gonna just leave that shit in there and it just made his, his music sound real free mm -hmm. and uh, I think we can learn a lot from that man yeah definitely so that's number five four, four. okay let's do one more number five trade to make biz market unique is he was a storyteller mm, the vapors man come on man one big three story each verse is a story right each verse is a story yeah my partner came you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. he used to say he was the worst thing his mom's ever had you know 
uh, Cool V, welcome to my store. Offer yep. him a job, but now he don't want it. Damn, it feels good to see people see up people on it. People up on it, yep. You know, the whole song is a story. Just a friend. Three-part story. Yeah. Boy meets girl. Boy gets involved with girl. Boy fucking loses girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of Biz Markie's most successful songs was him telling stories, not no crazy cinematic universe. He was just telling stories about his life and the people around him. Yep. Any of us can do that. Yes. It's nothing crazy. It's like, yo, the stories are right in front of you. And it's he didn't think, oh, man, no one going to care about this story, about this Vapors thing. Nobody going to care about, you know what I mean? Uh, he told all these stories. And then what do we do? We was like, yeah, I can relate to that. That's the real mm-hmm. shit. Yep. Yeah. That, that happened to my, my friend, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's why that's why damn it feels good to see people up on it with such a quotable. Yeah. And it's still to this day. Because, you know, you get to that because even times there there's times like in my personal life, like especially like last year when when I dropped autopilot. Yeah. I don't know how many times I said that to myself. You know <laughs> feels good to see people up on it. You know, like damn it yep. feels good. You yep. know what I mean? Because like, I remember when at first yep. they wasn't. Right. <laughs> Now guess what they caught from my, my cousin. cousin, the vapors. The vapors, man. Yeah. yeah, it's dope. It's like one thing we we have to to see as artists, and what Biz was great at. You go listen to any of his records; they they're full of just stories. Mm-hmm. Is that um, we tell our stories? That's how we tell who we are. Yeah, that's how we let people know how we see the world, and 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 we, the stories we tell have been being passed down in mankind as long as man has been on this planet. Yeah. You know, you go look in the, in the, the hieroglyphics did what it told stories yeah. about those who came before. And, you know, what is the Bible full of stories, mm-hmm. story, story, stories are at the at the the crux of what it means to be a human. We pass these things down is how we learn yeah. by our elders telling us stories and sharing things with us. You know, and and we as artists need to understand it's a powerful tool. Yeah, they say experience is the best teacher, and that's all stories are, is our experiences. Yeah. And that's how we learn is from those experiences. Whenever, you know, I sit my sons down and try to talk to them about a certain point, I tell them a story. You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) so they can follow like, okay, you know, oh, that's how you got to this point is by going through these steps and experiencing these things. And this is, you know, like you said, this is how, you know, for generations, you know, like, we pass things down so we can teach, you know, yeah. and learn and not make the same mistakes our ancestors made and, yeah, you know, or just have shit we can relate to, you know, yeah. so we know we ain't alone in this yep. fucking world going through this shit. Yeah. And that, and that's what people walk away with listening to a song like Just a Friend. Mm-hmm. This, this song is like, that's a uh, Dietrich posted a video of playing that in front of a stadium, 50,000, 100,000 people yeah. singing, but you say he's just a friend. Oh, yeah. baby, you, all of these people know that song. Yes. None of them knew the original that he sampled. Mm-hmm. And they know that song because it's so relatable. Yes. How many guys have been in that position? 99% of us. <laughs> right. Right. All of us. And have, girls. And shit. girls. You're like, yo, you've been friend zoned. You mm-hmm. thought you had some shit cracking. This person was doing some other shit. 
you know, the person you wanted come to find out they went away to college. The whole going away to college and finding someone else. That's a whole thing in and of itself. That's just yes. that's the realest shit. Everybody yes. who's had high school love know what it's like when one person go to a college and you don't go to that college. And then you talk to him a couple months in and everything be distant. <laughs> right. Short conversations. Yeah. They got a they bunch got of new, time. No, they got time. Yeah. They got a bunch of new friends. You don't know none of the people they friends with. Yeah, they in a whole different world. You've been left. You've been left behind. Then preachers, you know what? I don't think it's gonna work out. I think we should just. Yeah, that happened to me my freshman year. Mm-hmm. That happened Mine to me. Too. You know, Mine too. high school John just stepped out on me, man. Just left me in the dust, man. But yeah, it's what happens. That's why the story, though, him sh- sharing that story, let everybody know you're not alone, man. You might be an artist. You might have something inside of you like that. You might be thinking, man, nobody care about my story. Mm-hmm. Nobody, everybody know about them. You know, nah, get rid of that negative dialogue and tell your story because there's somebody out there who's waiting on you to, to tell it Yes, because they're going through the exact same thing. And they don't know how to articulate it. Thank you. Don't know. They feel alone. Yep. And so, you know, that was one of Biz's dopest traits. So, uh, yeah, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. To all loyal listeners of the Super Duty Tough Work podcast, our brand new t-shirt is here. We've had hoodies in the past, but never t-shirts. So we decided to bust out a brand new design for our first t-shirt, which is the most infamous design. The shirt pays homage to Mob Deep's debut album, The Infamous, but flips it and bounces it like y'all know we do. If you want to support the podcast and rep the squad by ordering a shirt, go to waitlist.net. Quick note, this shirt is sold exclusively with pre-orders of the new book, The Social Media Cheat Code. So you can pick up the signed book and a t-shirt at the same time. That's it for now. We appreciate your support. Back to the show. Yeah. Super Dute. Tough work. Mm-hmm. We're back, folks. Talking about the creative genius of Biz Marquee. I hope that y'all are getting some out of this. I hope that you are inspired. Uh, maybe go back and revisit some of his music. And maybe this will make you listen to his music and view his career a little bit differently. I hope so. I hope it also makes you view your own a little differently uh view your own art and creativity a little differently um because there are some great lessons to be you know pulled from bismarcky definitely so we got two more points to make two more points number six thing you know behind a creative genius of bismarcky is that he was extremely relatable Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about this in the last one, you know, and so we're not going to go too deep into this. But when we talk about relatability, we talk about, yeah, we want to be artists who are able to articulate things. We want to be dope poets, and wordsmiths, and we want to be clever and we want to say great things. But, you know, what hits harder than all of that shit is when people can relate to it. Yes. Saying something that sounds dope or making something that looks great is just one part of what we should be doing. We should also be thinking about how this resonates with people. 
and to resonate with people, sometimes uh, you need something for them to latch on to. Right. Business music was full of that. There wasn't a sing single song he ever made that was like, I never, I don't understand what this is about. <laughs> right. I don't get it. I don't, <laughs> yeah, get, it. I don't get it. You yeah. immediately, the name of the song was what the song was about. Spring again. We talk about mm-hmm. spring. Mm-hmm. The biz dance. He talked about doing a dance he made up. Yeah. The vapors. He talking about people catching the vapors because, you know, they hated it first and they finally got up on it. You know what I mean? Just a friend. Talking about being just a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but it's like every single song he had, record to record, was relatable. Biz is like the the weird hood dude down the street. Yeah. That everybody loves though. Mm-hmm. He come by, he know your mama. Your mama be like, Biz, have you ate today? Yeah. Come in here and get a plate. Like, well, you ain't cutting the grass. Well, Biz, Biz gonna cut the grass the grass today. You know what I mean? He cutting everybody's grass. You know, he 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 he's helping people across the street. Mm-hmm. He's still goofy. Yeah. But everybody love him. That's what Biz is about, man. Like the other thing that's wild about Biz being so relatable to me is that like when you put Biz against the backdrop of hip hop, at the time, rappers are not talking about failing with women. Right. They're not talking about being uh, rejected or weirdos. Yeah, everybody was the flyest. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was the flyest, got every chick they wanted, you know, had all the money, had the cars, the clothes. Thank you. And then Biz was one of the lone people to be like, nah, actually, (laughs) I'm broke. (laughs) Girls don't like me. I'm famous and I still can't get the chicks I want. Right. Which is wild. Like, yo, I'm famous and I still can't get what I'm looking for out here. The mm-hmm. girls I want still play me. Yeah. And so it makes you really think like, yo, this dude, it made him so relatable. Like, yo, it's not just as simple, a cut and dry as, oh, yeah, you become successful. You get everything you want. Everything is perfect. You're the man now. Nah, he was willing to share his failures. And because he was willing to do that. He was more relatable than a lot of other artists, you know. I I think this this idea too is kind of what what underground hip hop kind of when it was ushered in like our era yeah. of underground hip hop because yeah we were talking about stuff that nobody else was talking about. We was coming from a place where we wasn't rich, you know. Yeah. what I'm saying like we was living everyday life, and the shit we talked about was shit that everybody could relate to. Yeah, that people our age that listen to our music could relate to they were dealing with a lot of the same shit you know this is why i think atmosphere took off you yep. know what i'm saying this is why you know we took off this is why merce and you know a lot yep. of the underground cats took off because we wasn't talking about jewels and cars and clothes and big houses and you know we was talking about how we felt you know what i'm saying yep. like as as you know teenagers 20 somethings you know what i'm saying like we were talking about our actual feelings and just our lives in general. And there was a lot more people, you know, in our circles that could relate to that as opposed to, you know, relating to having a Benz and, you know, a fucking mansion on a hill and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely, man. That goes yeah. a long way in music, man. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times people will think that they can't participate because they're so hung up on that thing of being like, I need to portray myself as like that already. Yeah. As the most successful, as like this almost superhero. Right. 
Biz was like the opposite of the superhero. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't, you know, Clark Kent. He wasn't right. Superman. He was like Jimmy Olsen. You know what I'm saying? Like right. the news guy. He never got to be the hero like that. But mm-hmm. people loved him the same. He was he wasn't he wasn't like that. You know, and it made him very, very lovable. You know. So that's number six. Last joint. Number seven. Whew, the creative genius of Bismarcky is his charisma. Yeah. Biz was a fucking performer. He had just like, like we talked about, just like the the shot of him standing at the piano in a just a friend video. Mm-hmm. That's a dude who just was having fun and just embracing being a good performer. He's moving up, just dramatic and, <laughs> and swinging and moving yeah. his body. You can't be stiff and get. You can't do that. Stiff guys, you gotta really be into what you. And he, like you said, he can't sing, right? And he's still just having fun and singing badly. Great, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> right, right. Like, how you having an awesome time singing bad, right? And then everybody think, well, he can't sing that well, and this is so catchy. I can sing this. I can sing along with him. Yeah. You know, charisma. He did it like he didn't care. Sang like he was in his shower. Mm-hmm. And everyone sang along with him. You know, when you watch film of him, just the, the beatboxing to his interviews, to his music videos, he had a, a dope charisma about him. Yeah, Biz seemed like the kind of dude that just walk in a room and you're immediately like yeah. drawn to him. Just just because he was a big dude too. He was yep. tall. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't small and skinny. You know what yep. I mean? Like he seemed like the kind of dude, especially probably back in the day, that just walk in the room and it's biz time now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like it's it's biz time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. He definitely is one of those guys, man. Where he's like, you know, if you had to pick between like ten rappers to hang out with, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Okay, these are my guys I rap with, but who do right. I hang out to have fun with? Right. Biz. Yeah. Like it'd be like him, ODB, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yep. like guys who are just like gonna say and just be so charismatic that it's like, yo, I always have fun when I'm with this dude. He'll just be on some other shit. We, even yeah. if we just sitting there watching cartoons, the commentary is just yeah. great. Like Red Man. You yeah, know? <laughs> Red Man. Yeah, he's another one. Like, yo, this guy is just he just got the charisma. Like I just yeah. hang out with this fool all day. Yeah. That's biz, man. And a lot of charisma, man, for the, you know, is is involved in being yourself and not being ashamed of who you are. Right. You know, it's not about being you don't have to be perfect to have charisma when you perform. You just have to be perfectly secure with what you're performing. You know, like once you become secure with what you're performing, performing it with charisma is it's like breathing, it's like talking, you know. Yeah. It's, I mean, this this podcast is probably a decent example of that. Like, there were points when, before this podcast, I would people ask me for years. I mean, I'm never doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, I think I'll be boring on the podcast. I always thought I was be boring. I was like, I got nothing to talk about. Right. But then everybody keep asking. Now, Prince, you need to do one. You know, you you. It would be fucking entertaining. And then even you, like, you're more open and comfortable being yourself now than ever. Yeah. Because it is. Because of this podcast. Like, you can get on camera now and talk. All the things that you mm-hmm. never used to be able to do, 
because yeah. you were just naturally a shy dude. Yeah. You can do because you're comfortable. And now within this context, now it's like people get to see Logic's charisma. They get to see, oh, Logic is not just the, the, the super poet, dude. <laughs> right, He's his dad. Right. He's funny yeah. as hell. He got some wild shit to say, too. Yeah. But it takes sometimes being comfortable to really uh, embrace and show how our, our true charisma, which is just who we really are. And I think Biz had that early. Yeah. You know, he never had. And he embraced it. Yeah. yeah. You know, some of us, it takes time. Like you say, like this podcast, it took me time to, to agree to do it. it took mm -hmm. you time to kind of get into it. And then it's only helped you in everything you've done. Right. Because it gave us a, 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 a venue for for your charisma. And uh, I think that is very important, man. So that's it. That's it. That's it this week, man. I hope that y'all got something out of this. I'm going to read back these, these traits of, you know, the 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 diabolical biz marquee mm -hmm. uh first one uh top tier record collecting and creative sampling number two was uh, hold on where am i beatboxing number three put on big daddy kane you know giving back number four sense of humor number five storytelling number six extremely relatable number seven charisma you know, that is the creative genius of Bismarcky. I hope that y'all got something out of this, man. This is, these episodes are always fun for us to do. Yeah, definitely. We get to tie in everything we do anyway. And those of you who, uh, you know, have picked up the 10 Traits book, you kind of know that we like to do these breakdowns of artists. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't picked up the 10 Traits of Successful Hip Hop Artists book, pick that up. You know, if you like this conversation, you want to hear more like this breakdowns of like these things and what truly makes artists successful. And, uh, I hope, we, I, hope, uh, I hope you got something out of this and we'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Super Duty Tough Work. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. that nobody know about. I mean, super duty tough work, huh? <laughs>